On this episode of Newtown Radioactive, the trail to Philmont finally ends. I revisit my summer reading list, catch up on the first season of the Lair of Secrets podcast, reflect on the fact that one of my kids is in college, and talk about how I got into cooking during the pandemic. Welcome to Newtown Radioactive. I am your host, Ken Newquist, and I can finally stop talking about Philmont. Well, maybe after this podcast. This past summer, my son and I went to uh, the High Adventure Camp in Cimarron, New Mexico for a 12-day backpacking trip. The overall trip was 14 days. We flew out a little early to get acclimated to the altitude, and we went whitewater rafting with with Class 4 Rapids guys. Uh, That was uh, amazing, awesome, and uh, a little bit terrifying. And uh, we went to the Garden of the Gods. Uh, We drove past the Air Force Academy. Unfortunately, we couldn't go on like we would normally do in a more normal year uh, because of COVID restrictions. But we were able to actually see it, and it was it was pretty cool. And uh, we went to the top of Pikes Peak, which is really high, and uh, it's hard to breathe at the top. (laughs) All of that was just to get us ready for actually getting on the trail. Here in Easton, we're only like you know at most a couple hundred feet above sea level, right? Uh, When you when you go out to New Mexico, over, however, you, you start at base camp at around 6,000 feet, and the highest we got on the whole trip was around uh, 10,500 feet, and, and that's a heck of an elevation gain, especially when you're not used to it. So it was uh, that was just but one of the challenges that we had at Philmont. It was really, really just a tremendous trip. I mean, you have these awe-inspiring vistas. Uh, it is as every bit as physically challenging, even without the, uh, the altitude as, as we expected it to be. There's a reason why we spent, uh, two years, 18 months, uh, you know, training for this. There's a reason why we were going out on backpacking trips and getting used to carrying that kind of load. It, it's legitimately hard. It's legitimately dangerous. And, uh, damn it. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, now, I don't want to ramble on too much about it because I've already done that on another podcast. If you want, you can uh, learn more about my film on adventures on episode 19 of the Lair of Secrets podcast. And as for the Lair of Secrets, it is uh, it is still going on, folks. Uh, when I last recorded Radioactive, we had just started releasing, I believe. Um, we had, we had been recording for like a year before we actually started releasing, but you know, we needed to figure things out, like what the name of the podcast was, how do we actually do this on a regular, regular schedule? Who's going to be editing? How fast can we edit? Uh, you know, all of these kind of logistical type of things, figuring out like who's got time to do it this week and, uh, gee, how do we get our audio set up, figured out? And, you know, all of these things that we used to know, uh, back in the day when we first started podcasting, some of it we had to uh, we had to relearn. Especially uh, for me, I haven't done that many tandem podcasts. I had done a, a coffee break podcast at work with myself and another coworker, but that was a little bit easier. We were, two of us were in the same physical room, and we were only recording for about fifteen to twenty minutes at a pop, uh, and, and so that made it very easy to edit. Uh, with Layer of Secrets, 
we are in two different areas. I'm in Easton, Pennsylvania. David is in Indianapolis, Indiana. And so, you know, there's the internet to deal with. <laughs> there is the logistics of having two different audio tracks. Uh, it's the, the challenges of recording all of that. And so it took us a little while to figure it out, but we did. Uh, we ultimately recorded 21 episodes in season one, which wrapped in early fall of, of this year. And, um, and it's really nice to be caught up. <laughs> that was one of my big goals from the, from the summer and into early fall was to just knock out all the Lair of Secrets podcasts that were in the, in the backlog, get them in the can, queue them up, and, uh, and get them out there. So now we are gearing up for season two. In fact, it just started. The first episode featured Matt and Marty Forbeck about their shotguns and sorcery Kickstarter for Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. Uh, that is currently going on as I record this. I don't know if it'll still be going on by the time this podcast comes out. It depends on how fast I edit this show. Um, but it's a cool, it's a cool setting. It's about, uh, these folks who live underneath a, a lonely mountain. Imagine the lonely mountain from the Hobbit, right? And, uh, but now also imagine they are besieged by zombies and also imagine that you have all of these fantasy races, uh, you know, elves and goblins and humans and dwarves and what have you crammed into one giant mountain ruled by a dragon who protects them from the zombies. And you have the evolution of technology within that mountain over time, which gives rise to a noirish, like, 1910, 1920s level of technology within the mountain, thus combining shotguns and sorcery. It's a, it's a pretty cool setting. We had fun talking with Matt and Marty about the, uh, about the project and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it does. Another project I knocked out this summer was my annual summer reading list. 14 books, including 10 novels, three nonfiction books, one short story collection, two novellas, and eight graphic novels. Pretty respectable list, actually, uh, compared to, you know, some of the ones I've had in the past. Uh, it, it's up there. Uh, and really, the most impressive part of the whole thing is that I actually finished it. The last few years, I have had struggled to complete my summer reading list in the summer, I think, in, in 2020. I think I finished it in February of 2021. <laughs> it took me a long, long time to get there. And there were a lot of reasons for that. I think it just got bogged down. It got distracted. Um, you know, excuses abound. This year, however, uh, you know, it all came together. Part of that was because I actually defended time. Every morning I would come downstairs and read for like 15, 30 minutes with my morning coffee, which is really, you know, if you're looking to do a similar reading list and to make steady progress every day, or really with anything, right? Coming down, having a plan, making that dedicated time in the morning to make sure it happens is just is just so critically important. It did not hurt that I went on vacation for about <laughs> I guess it ended up being like almost 4 weeks uh this summer which is I think the longest vacation I've taken in my adult life because uh, we had the first 2 weeks at Philmont and then we went uh for another like week and a half up in Vermont for our annual retreat to our our friend's island on Lake Champlain, well, our friend's cabin on an island on Lake Champlain. And so that, you know, there was a lot of time for reading books. Uh, I think I read three books while I was at Philmont. I think I read another four or five books while I was on vacation at Lake Champlain. Uh, you know, dedicated reading time is good. Uh, but I, I think the discipline of being able to continue reading, going for hikes and walks every morning, in addition to my like book and coffee routine, just it allowed me to make steady progress. And so I was able to finish. I think I didn't even have to like cheat with with saying like summer goes until September 21st. I think I finished it in either just at the very end of August or early September. Powering through it Labor Day. Some standouts from the list. I think 
actually almost all of the books were, were really good this year. I think actually all of the books were good. Some of them were spectacular. Uh, one that I particularly enjoyed was Watership Down by Richard Adams. Uh, this is one of my favorite books of all time, so it's in no way surprising that I enjoyed it. But I hadn't reread it in years. I had originally planned to take a paperback version of it with me on the trail to Philmont or while I was out at Philmont. Uh, but it was just too heavy. It just took up too much space in my pack. I mean, my pack was already weighing... 50 pounds, something like that. It was heavy. <laughs> Carrying one more thing just wasn't going to work. Uh, so I ended up taking my Kindle as well, which which worked out pretty well because then I could easily read it uh, in my tent every night before I went to bed. Uh, another great book that I read this summer was uh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Uh, this is Weir returning to his uh, problem-solving form with an astronaut who wakes up on a starship to find he doesn't know who he is, where he is, or what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, spoiler, because uh, he figured out pretty quick, uh, it's saving Earth. Uh, so if you uh, if that name rings a bell, it's because he wrote The Martian, uh, which is a really great book. I, I've, I super enjoyed tearing through that one on a Christmas vacation a couple of years ago. And uh, his, his sophomore follow-up wasn't as good. I think he was trying too hard. But this one, he goes with what works, and uh, it was good. I mean, the science was there. Uh, the snarkiness was there. The, you know, self-deprecating humor was there. Uh, it was, it was just good stuff, good stuff all around. And then the last book I'll talk about real quick is, uh, Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Uh, it's a great book about uplifting an alien species, uh, told against the great sweep of time. Uh, you know, it reminds me of, uh, Isaac Asimov's foundation series in terms of like the scope and how, how the time frame skipped forward. And so you got to see kind of the this alien race getting uplifted and what that looked like in their earliest days up through when they make contact with their creators. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, it also reminds me of course, of David Brin's uplift books, uh, similar themes. Um, and you know, I really enjoyed its ruminations on the intersections of biology, culture, and civilization, you know, trying to dig into what would alien perceptions, how do alien perceptions and their biology influence their culture and civilization? And how does that drive first contact when you actually meet uh, another species? So great book. Um, there's a follow-up to it called Children of Ruin, which I actually, I enjoyed the first book so much, I immediately turned around and got the sequel. That one is uh, similar, right? So it, it also goes over kind of this, this great sweep of time. It's another great first contact book. Also dealing with an uplifted civilization and and uh, an alien species and them all coming together and the 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 horror and wonder that the, that is involved in that. So definitely really good books if you're if you're into that sort of thing. I wholeheartedly recommend picking them up. So Philmont was a huge accomplishment and adventure from for my son and I. Uh, but we had another big accomplishment this summer. Uh, hit another big milestone, and that was my daughter went to college, and that just that just boggles my mind. I mean, to put it into perspective, the first podcast that I ever released, Radioactive Number 1, came out March 14th of 2005, and my daughter was just about to turn two. And here we are all these years later, 18, and she is off at college. And that is just astounding. You know, and, and some folks will say, oh, well, doesn't that make you feel old? And I suppose a little bit, but really it just makes me feel proud. I'm glad that she was able to do it. She she toughed out, you know, her senior year of, of high school, which was just hard for everybody because of, of COVID and the pandemic. And I'm so glad to see her now being able to have a more normal 
uh, <laughs> academic experience to be off on her own. She's going to a, a university in New England, so she's about six hours away from here, and that's that's a good distance, right? Like it means that we can go up and see her for a long weekend if we wanted to, but we can't just pop over there right away. Which uh, you know is a a good distance. When I was in when I was in college myself, I, I chose a slightly closer. I was only three hours away from my parents, but still, you know, I like being far enough away that you feel like you you are on your own. And she's been doing great. I'm very proud of her. You know, she's always been self motivated, and so to see her off in the world and and being the voice of reason for her friends and her figuring out how to deal with having a cold, figuring out how to juggle her course schedules and getting all of her homework done and, and signing up for clubs and stuff. It's, it's just super cool. And I got to say, you know, I think one of the great awesome things about having kids is that it lets you remember when you did those things in your life. And, you know, when, you, when you're there and you're, you're dropping her off at college and you're getting to see all those students doing their thing, it's just, I don't know, waves is nostalgia. Does it make me feel old? Yeah, a little bit, but really it just makes me feel happy. So I think we can all agree COVID sucked. Uh, COVID continues to suck. The pandemic sucks. <laughs> um, feels like maybe we're, we're coming out the other side of it now, but uh, it has been a long, slow, hard slug and... Uh, it's just been exhausting all the time for everybody. <laughs> now that's the bummer side. That that is definitely the downside. Um, and there aren't very many upsides to the pandemic, but one of them for me was uh, learning a new skill, uh, particularly how to cook. Uh, and I got to say, first of all, you know, this was this is one of those things when the pandemic was was kicking off and everybody suddenly found themselves at home, or many people found themselves at home, um, and their lives just totally disrupted, and they couldn't go anywhere and they couldn't do anything, so they were going to learn new skills. And you know, it's it's cool if you didn't. <laughs> I'm in no way trying to guilt anybody into saying, oh, you know, you should have used that time to do a thing, because let's be honest, you know, for some of us, we we didn't have that time, and 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 you didn't even really like. It's not only that you didn't have the time, uh, you know there were all of these other things that were happening, the, the mental bandwidth to be able to learn a new thing while trying to deal with whatever new curveball of life was going to throw you on a given day. You know, that's a lot. So if you didn't learn anything, that's okay. Uh, I did um, pretty much out of necessity. So what I decided to do was uh, figure out how to cook. Now it's not like I didn't know how to cook previous to this, right? So I would occasionally make dinner, uh, but it was never anything overly complicated. You know, throw some pork chops on the grill, make some tater tots, make sure there's a vegetable there, uh, get everybody fed, and you're good to go, right? Uh, that's not necessarily cooking in terms of, hey, you had multiple ingredients you and you made a thing. And so uh, I started cooking uh, in part because I wanted to balance the workload between my wife and I. Um, it was... You know, we were both stressed out at work and, you know, getting meals done just needed to be easier and we needed to make sure that that, that load was, was balanced. And the other thing is uh, a couple of years ago, my wife had um, only been working part-time and in the last, gosh, I think it's been two years at this point, she had gone full-time, right? And so that changed the dynamic of how, gee, just how mealtime got done, right? And so I wanted to learn how to cook so that we could balance that out. And honestly, it was, an, it was a distraction from the pandemic because it lets you focus on this little project that you get to do um, every other night. I know, like, 
dinner as a project, but yeah, right. You've got, you know, a list of things you need to do and you, you step through them. And at the end you have a completed product, which everybody then eats. Um, I started with uh, sheet pan recipes. So basically there's a, I think it's called Simply Cooking or something like that. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. But it's a website where you can go out and just find simple recipes that you can make uh, make for dinner, right? And so one of them was sheet pan chicken, which is is pretty easy. You just cut up a bunch of vegetables, throw on some chicken, throw it in the oven for you know 30 minutes at 450 degrees. Boom, you got dinner. And then my my sister and my mom started getting HelloFresh. Now, I don't remember the exact timing of this. I think my sister may have been actually getting it for quite a while before then um, because she's got three kids and a busy household and all the reasons why you want uh, you want some help getting dinner done, right? And uh, But more particularly, my mom had, had gotten uh, HelloFresh and there were one or two times where she couldn't, you know, eat the meal. And so she sent it home with us and we made it. We're like, well, you know what? This, this is, this is pretty good. Maybe we should try this out. And so we did. Uh, it's pretty cool. So basically what happens is they send you uh, two meals a week. Uh, you pick from a menu of options. It includes almost all the ingredients, ingredients, ingredients that you need. Uh, they assume you have say like salt and pepper, olive oil, that kind of stuff. There's a few other essentials that you just, you just should have in your house. Um, and then they give you step-by-step instructions, including pictures and, and just walk you through how to make the meal, right? And I've, I've, I've compared it to uh, Legos, right? It's basically like a Lego kit for meals. You get everything that you need. They tell you exactly how you're supposed to do it. You can riff if you want to, right? I don't. <laughs> I just follow the instructions. And uh, it's been pretty cool. You know, it's fun. It's easy. It tastes good. Uh, I usually hang out in my kitchen and riff to tunes from the 1990s. And, you know, it's a great way to decompress after a particularly long day at work, especially when that long day of work was really just upstairs in the game room, which is my home office. If I have a, a criticism of, of HelloFresh, it's that the, the portions for vegetables are too small, or there are meals that just simply don't have vegetables, right? Like, folks, <laughs> we're geek parents, right? And uh, and you know you need to have a balanced meal, and so you, you got to augment with uh, with those other vegetables and fruits and what have you for your dinner, right? Like you just can't have burgers and fries every time, but that's okay. It's a a relatively minor criticism. I will say uh, portion size is pretty precise. And by that, I mean, you're not going to have leftovers. It is enough to feed the four people who are in our household. If you have teenagers or kids who eat a ridiculous amount of food. Uh, mine don't. <laughs> my my kids do not eat like I ate when I was in high school where, you know, I would pound a quarter pounder large fries and then drink a quarter milk um, and then think, hmm, you know what? I could really use another quarter pounder. Uh, my kids don't eat like that. And so it's been enough for us, but I can see how for other families it, it might be, um, it might not be quite enough as far as, uh, as portion size go. But overall it has... It has helped a lot. It relieved some of the, the pressure of having to figure out meals for the week, right? Because I could just sit down, think about, oh, okay, I'll just go on their website. What do we want to have this week? Do we want to try something different? And uh, and then just order it, right? You don't have to you don't have to go out to the grocery store if we don't need to. Now, obviously, we still have more meals <laughs> than that every week, but uh, you know the other ones could be simpler. And and during the pandemic, we often ate out uh, or ordered in, I should say, um, to help out our local businesses. So you know it 
it was a great time saver. I think overall, we uh, we recently stopped it for a month uh, just to try things out. And I will say it was hard, right? Like it was hard to get back out to the grocery store, actually put together the list of things you need and go and buy them uh, because we are just super duper busy, right? Like I know this isn't <laughs> this isn't some radical crazy concept that you should go shopping for dinner, right? But with all the things that we have going on right now. Uh, all the challenges that we've had with family and life and work and what have you. Um, and that's not me attempting to vague book. That's just me being 50 and having to deal with a lot of stuff. It is nice to have two meals a week where you don't have to worry about any of that. Now, another good thing that I should mention about HelloFresh was that, you know, it gave me an opportunity to actually learn the cooking part, right? Like there's different techniques that you need to learn in order to cook. And it gave me a chance to practice them or at least figure out what they were. Like zesting a lime. I had never zested a lime before we did HelloFresh. Or if I did, it was only once and my wife told me what to do. Um, I think it gave me a lot more confidence uh, with cooking and and more willingness to try out different things. And so I think that was that was a great benefit. That's also led me to want to go out and and further improve my cooking skills, you know, identify some more complex recipes that are not a HelloFresh thing, go out, do the shopping thing, pull together my recipes and cook. I'd love to be able to find some more, you know, go-to easy to make meals, maybe something that we could use in the slow cooker or the Instapot. Um, I think that's the next frontier. It's just, you know, you have to invest the upfront time to figure out, okay, what is it that we're trying to do? Do the research, go out and find the things and then and then just actually do it. And, and that's been the hard part because things have been so busy. <laughs> did you learn a new skill during the pandemic? If you did, I'd love to hear about it. You can leave a comment on the site or you can email me at nuketown at gmail.com. So that will about do it for this episode of Radioactive. Uh, once again, uh, you can send me feedback at nuketown at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at nuketownsf and also on Facebook at nuketownsf.